The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Hello and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. I'm joined in the studio here by fellow certified financial planners, Tony Payne and Spencer Hager. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for asking. Happy to hear it. It's another great day for financial planning. Having fun today, Cole. That's uh, my wife, Alyssa. She listens to the show, and that's her favorite thing you say. Okay. Great day for financial planning. She loves it. Excellent. Well, she's smart, too. (laughs) You know she's smart, so I'm glad to hear that, man. That's Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, I'll say something else after that. Yeah, that's no. That's that's the start and the stop of Tony. <laughs> no, she she loves it. She loves the uh, awesome. the, the Tonyisms. Awesome. She's been big in listening to the show, so this is great. Uh, I'm good. Life's peachy. Things are things are fun, right? A lot of a uh, lot of interesting stuff going on. A lot to talk about today. I'm chuckling here because there's been a fire in the studio, figuratively. Um, <laughs> but you know, before we get into that, we'll talk about. Uh, we'll start with a question just to get the juices flowing a little bit here, and that's. What was your first memory or, or lesson regarding money? Spencer, we'll start with you. Yeah, I tried to think about this one. I can't really pinpoint it back to a specific story. I didn't get an, an allowance growing up, so that really wasn't a big part of it. Um, first big purchase was in sixth grade. It was $300. I babysat my nephew all summer, and so I had to buy it myself, save up for it. So it kind of taught me some discipline saving up for that big purchase. It was all on me, so that's probably go. the best one I can think of. That's, that's not nothing. Yeah, yeah that's we'll good. take it. Thank Can you, you share what you got? It was a uh, Lego Death Star. That's nice. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Good that's choice. That's a great thing. I reiterate, it was sixth grade. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but would you do it today if you could? Probably. Yeah, probably. Right? Yeah. right? Hey, these are great things. How about you, Tony? Well, I know I shared this on here before, but I remember... We were camping. It was over the summer. We were having fun. And my grandpa, you know, go up to the grocery store there, get me some Coke and use the change or bring me some change. And in the middle, you play some games, play some arcade games. So I bought his one can of Coke. I used the $19.75 in change to play the Simpsons video (laughs) game. And I returned him his Coke and his quarter. And he looked at the quarter and said, what's this? Where's my change? And I said, this is change, isn't it? It is change. And that was when I got my first money money lesson. I, I bet you did. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> I, I love yours. Yours, uh, both of those positive experiences. What was yours, Cole? Yeah, not, not so positive, but I think that's what put me in the trajectory to, to do what it, it is oh, I yes. do today. So uh, learning from, from bad financial decisions, right? Uh, my first uh, actual memory um, is how to calculate a negative checking balance. Right. Yeah, so learning how to work with negative numbers. I couldn't tell you how old I was, six, seven, but that's the one that really stuck with me. Yeah, that would, though. Oh, yeah. You tried to avoid that since then, I think. <laughs> sure do. Happ- happily so. Sure do. Well, and these are the lessons, and this is the theme tonight. I know I'm jumping on you, Cole, but talking to kids about money. Yes. And if you make some of those lessons or mistakes early, 
hopefully you don't repeat them. And we call those things experiences. Mm -hmm. And it is from experiences that we normally make better decisions. And then we become Coles hosting the radio show. That's absolutely right. Right? Well, we need more Coles. Right? <laughs> I think so. But definitely the important thing is experience is the best teacher. So as we're going through these, we're going to give you some ideas, some things to share that experience and, and help them understand, help them learn along the way. But before we get into that, like we usually do, we'll get into some current events. And I'm sure this is the one on top of everyone's mind. And that's the, the student loan forgiveness. So before, before we get into it, it's, it's a big one, so I want to lay out the groundwork here, and then, Tony, I'm going to pass it over to you because I'd love to hear Please your do. thoughts. But uh, the idea is that this will cancel $10,000 of federal student loans per borrower, up to 20000 if you're a recipient of the Pell Grant. This was all done via executive order, by the way, so uh, what may change is, is yet to come, but this is limited to $125,000 of income uh, for an individual, $250,000 income for couples or head of households. So if your income exceeds that, you'll be phased out. Uh, they will extend the federal student loan uh, abatement of sorts through December 31st. This is expected to be the final one. Uh, this is estimated uh, to benefit 95% uh, of borrowers with 45% expected to have their debt fully canceled all the while costing the federal government a crisp, we call it $360 billion. So all that aside, Tony, what are you thinking? Well, they just passed something that was the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, which <laughs> I'll, we already discussed that on a prior show with John, and we gave you our thoughts there. We didn't think it reduced inflation. Yeah. This, on the other hand, is a nice name, but I'm thinking you just might as well call this the IIA, the Inflation Increase Act. <laughs> I mean, you've paused these borrowers for two years, which, again, for whatever reasons, good reasons, we know that. There was a limited income for a little bit for some, mm -hmm. but when you take a massive swipe at something and you don't make it specialized, there are unintended consequences. And one of the things of that two-year hiatus, you and I were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, does it add to inflation? Will this in turn add more or less inflation? Mm -hmm. Because, hey, that's money that was already being spent or would have been spent. Well, when you think of it holistically, I think we just have to say there was money that was going to go to an institution, sure. the money you borrowed from, and now it's not going there. Or at least 10000 less isn't. Whether that means something in the near term or not, at least over the long term, that seems like more money to chase goods that are out there. And if that's the case, it would seem like that's going to add to inflation. That was just my takeaway in seeing this at the, man, out of all this inflation that we're trying to combat and all these things, that was the first thing I, I really drew from this proposal. That, that makes all the sense in the world to me. I know inflation's been the, the key talking point. Uh, what do you think, Spencer? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I agree with Tony's point. The other piece is how much of that ten thousand for the used borrowers was ever going to get repaid. I'm sure, for mm -hmm. some people it would have. Some people maybe it wouldn't have. So that's on the inflation. I don't know. I I don't think anyone listens to the show for all the political opinions. So I think you appeal to people's interests. If you're someone who just potentially gets this forgiveness, I question if where anyone's going to see it because I think it could get blocked. Um, you're probably very happy. And if you're someone who Paid off your loans, refinanced your loans for a better rate, uh, took out a private loan to begin with, paid off your loans, never took out any loans because you went the cheaper route. It's quite you're, a list. You're probably, <laughs> you're probably very offended, and I can't blame you for it. So 
And I think you can do both of those simultaneously. You can be offended and still not begrudge people for getting some forgiven. So I will say if you do get the forgiveness, be smart with it. Don't just roll it into spending. Use it for something productive. And that's my two cents. That was a very um, safe two cents. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a temporary sugar high again, right? This uh, only applies for a one-time shot, a one-time yep. deal. Any new loans after this July, it's not going to apply to that. The next year's college class, not going to apply to them either. I mean, we're looking a one-time shot. Mm -hmm. If it does go through, like you said, Spencer. Yeah, I don't think it will. I mean, not to go into all the politics, but, I mean, I remember executive, legislative, judicial, Sure. I thought one of those passed the budget <laughs> stuff. I thought one of those did the numbers, but uh, that's another story, I guess. <laughs> well, as a, a millennial, we do love our dopamine rushes. Yeah, you're very <laughs> cool. Um, but w what about from the tax side? So as I recall, forgivenesses, they, they sometimes can be taxable, whether federally or state. If I recall correctly, I think this one's uh, federally tax-free. Is it is, and they said you could see it on the state side. I, I, because this is pretty much hot off the press, I haven't seen if Ohio does. I haven't seen any mm -hmm. states that are going to treat it as taxable income, but apparently it could happen. So to be determined, once again, I don't know when anyone's going to see that because there's probably going to be a bunch of roadblocks with this actually sure. going through. Well, if it does end up seeing the light of day, the idea is make sure you're working with your accountant, yep. you're planning accordingly, because some states, that tax rate's pretty high. So we need to make sure that we're not overlooking anything there or getting a surprise tax bill at the end of the year. Well, uh, unfortunately, we're coming up, coming up here on our first break. When we come back, we'll get into the main topic for today. So you've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. <laughs> You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. Uh, this segment will dive into some conversation topics and considerations for talking to younger kids, adolescents, about money, but before we actually dive into that, uh, there's some uh, sad news, crazy news, wild <laughs> news in the last week or so about the cost of raising a child through high school. So this doesn't include college costs. This is through high school, 18 years old. That magic number comes out to $300,000 after factoring in current inflation rates. It's a little painful. <laughs> a silence <laughs> befell the room. Yeah. Well, think of all the joy you get, though. Think of the joy. <laughs> What's the ROI on that joy? I can't quantify that. <laughs> I can't. But I know, especially traveling and meeting other people in different mindsets and cultures, mm -hmm. there's a way. Sure. It's not maybe the standard everybody gets a new Sweet 16 party mm -hmm. or a car when they turn 16 or everybody gets their own bedroom. Sometimes stats like these, I think, scare people away from the joys of parenting. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is possible, and we've seen it, where people can do both. Raise multiple children, have a successful financial plan, even in this economy, as people would say. But the idea is you've got to customize your plan for you. You know, a stat like that, just throw it out, and oh my, that's scary. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to think about, well, what am I earning? How many years do I have to spend that? Is there a way that maybe having two kids cuts down some of that? I think there's a lot of that. There really is when you get down to it, I think, Cole. Tony, I'd love to hear more optimism from you on the show. That was beautiful. Oh, it is, though. I mean, you think about how do you make it work. It's the idea of hand-me-downs. 
I mean, those forbidden things that, hey, we just can't have that because somebody's had that before. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are that way. Others, it's great to get a hand me Hey, that's nice. That's something I didn't have to go buy. Sure. And I think the more that we reuse and think of that way, not about eco stuff, maybe that's a good benefit, but more of a financial aspect, yeah. you know, sharing a household, sharing a vehicle, things like that that are major structural expenses when the kids start to drive, how much they put towards their own education. These are all real things, you know, even where you live and what your property taxes are, these are all real things where you might decide to move to that district with the highest property taxes and the best schools. If the kid's work ethic isn't there or you're not putting your time in as a parent, I don't know that that property tax is worth it. And that's the idea of this one-size-fits-all approach does not apply. You've got to look at this individually, I think. And I agree with you. I was going to say, I think that's pretty much all financial planning. It's about sacrifice, customization, mm-hmm. prioritization, right? Exactly. Yep. Talk about that with a lot more than just kids. And also the same reason we always say inflation is not what the CPI is for most people. That's where mm-hmm. you're spending. So I agree with you, Tony. I, if you want a child and you're lucky enough to have one, I think uh, I think you can make it work. Both well-stated gentlemen. So uh, averages are exactly that. Now, Spencer and I averages. also don't have kids, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. so, but but it was full, full disclosure, full disclosure. I, Go I, ahead, Cole. Sorry. We've seen enough. Yeah, right? I was going to say, I think to your point, too, though, the, however they're measuring it, the average keeps going up. <laughs> so yes. there is that. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there's those Kardashians out there, the yep. everybody else, yep. not just to pick on them. But, yeah, there's always that designer stuff, the trips, the everything that we want to do that's included in that. So all the sports and the after school activities and all that. I mean, it's real. It adds up. I mean, we know those people and it's a lifestyle and it's a choice, but we've got to make sure that we're still saving for ourselves later as we make all these choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, getting into it then. So talking to finances with adolescents, I know one of the first things people think of is an allowance so Spencer, maybe we won't talk to you because you weren't fortunate enough to get one. <laughs> I still have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll loop you in then. Um, but uh, that's generally an, an important piece for, for some parents, not every parent, to give a little bit to their child, whether it's a certain amount uh, a week, a month, based on the chores that they do. Uh, but there are certain ways that you might be able to structure that or uh, some learning things along the way, some teachings to uh, incentivize proper financial decisions. So, Tony, I see you smiling. I, I'm sorry. I know, Spencer, you don't want me to go political here, but Uh-oh. I can't help but draw some parallels between back in the day, dare I say. You know, I got back from the West Coast and yep. was at some national parks and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Great Depression happened, they created jobs and then paid people to do those jobs. There wasn't, you know, here's an income or something like that where, hey, you just get the income. And the idea of that shift, and it applies here to the children, whether it's an allowance, almost that universal income for just being a child and existing, or is it a chore list? Or is it jobs? Is it having to work and earn that allowance? And that's where right when you start and you said allowance, mm-hmm. you have to break it down. Is this earned Absolutely. or is this something you're entitled to? And I think from my experience, at least working with a lot of different families, those results are different. I don't know what else to say. There is a difference. The earlier the child equates work with money versus existing and getting money. Sure. I, I'm no psychologist, but I feel like I, I've seen those results in the numbers. Yeah, great deal of logic there. 
Spencer, do you agree? Disagree? I agree with you. Like, right, I'm, not big, you I'm not a big fan of the with the. Well, I mean, once again, I think with allowance, it just comes down to your values. But I generally lean the same direction. I've seen some people say once you hit a certain age, you automatically get an allowance. I tend to lean more towards. I don't know. You mow the lawn, you do some chores, you get some sure. residuals. Yeah. So I, I also agree with that idea. I never got an allowance growing up. Um, you know, negative checking account balance hard to <laughs> hard to make that, that happen. I guess the more but. interesting question is what you what you have them do with the allowance, though, right? As soon that go. comes in, that's the fun part <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Spencer's moving on. Absolutely. So, uh, ideally, not just spending money. Yeah, I, I think that's what a lot of people uh, end up doing if there's that allowance in place. Hey, you did this. Here's money. Spend it on whatever it is you want. Uh, but I think there's a lot more creative ways that you can help educate them and help them kind of fit into the molds of what the real world's going to be. So uh, understanding the difference between spending, saving, maybe investing, if that's something you have access to or if, if you're charitably inclined. Now, I don't know that it applies as an, a ratio for an adult, but I remember early on, make a dollar, save a dime. Make a dollar, like save a dime. Mm -hmm. And that philosophy, the earlier I think someone hears that, probably the better. I would agree with that, absolutely. And maybe it's a 20 cents or a quarter now, but, you know, the idea of saving as you're making is really important, no matter how much it is. Definitely. And uh, as far as the, the investing side, too, I know a lot of that's become uh, more accessible uh, to retail investors for the longest time. It was, there, there weren't the Robin Hoods out there. You had to know a guy in order to uh, actually put that money to work. But there's no better time, really, than to put that money to work than when the kid's five, six, seven, something like that. I bet that's a lot more relevant today, though, too, with the gamification of everything, when you think about it. Like, you know, we've talked about before on the show about biases and things like that, right? You mm -hmm. get in and you get a couple positive reinforcement events where you just invested a little, you made a killing, but sure. you're 18, you've got a little bit more money coming in. Maybe you learn that lesson a little bit younger, let them take the reins a little bit, maybe they make a mistake, maybe it drives home that concept and grade school before it's too far down the road i don't know it's a thought but it's a good thought yeah i mean the earlier the mistakes usually the smaller they are the easier Definitely. they are to correct mm -hmm. and what's important too just on that end is it's good if they experience a down market mm -hmm. long before they're they're 18 21 in their working years whenever that is because it's like tony exactly to your point a little bit easier to correct maybe easier to understand on a smaller scale but then they're not going to be in their prime earning years and worrying that, oh, no, the market's down. Right. This is the end of the world. Right. They've experienced it. They've seen it. They felt it. Excellent. Uh, well, we're coming up uh, on our second break here. When we get back, we'll actually transition over to teenagers. So <laughs> everyone's least favorite topic of conversation, but uh, very important because things get a little bit more complex. So uh, we'll continue the conversation when we return. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy. This is your host, Cole Hammock. I'm here in the studio with fellow certified financial planners, Tony Payne and Spencer Hager. If you'd like to learn more about Managing to be Wealthy and John E. Sestine and Company, you can contact us at 614 326-3077 or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. If you'd like a complimentary consultation with one of our planners, fill out a brief questionnaire. We'll set up a time to meet with you and, and go from there. So for those just joining us before we went to break, we're offering some suggestions on how to talk to younger children, adolescents about money. 
We'll be bumping up that age a little bit in this segment to cover teenagers. So now's where they're really starting to hopefully uh, understand finances, have a better concept of money, better grasp of what to expect, what uh, all the various denominations uh, of your, your bills are. So in this case, I think it's very important to actually start having regular family discussions about money. Get them involved. I agree 100%. I always think of, I tell people, um, everyone knows the cliche, have some skin in the game when you're talking about college, but I mm -hmm. always tell people, like with my parents, thankfully, they were just very transparent that they weren't going to be covering the bills, right? And that's perfectly fine. That is pretty much what molded the way I was approaching college for the four years leading up to it, right? I sure. pretty much knew that there wasn't anything coming, and then I immediately started looking into things like getting college credits in high school, doing as much as I could, go to community college, things like that. So I know it's uncomfortable, and I definitely am of the mindset that have some privacy, don't share everything, but I think it can sometimes be to a detriment if you know your kids think something's there or is coming that isn't, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden, maybe it would have been better if they had a little bit more insight and they could have formed their opinions a little bit earlier. Yeah, and I think, and that's more on the, the college side, and yeah. of course, other things tying into it, but uh, even just on the, the personal side, so if maybe you are well-to-do, more affluent, have the, the child understand how you got there. So you don't have to necessarily share numbers to mm -hmm. have an understanding of where everything is, but uh, instill that benefit of hard work. It didn't just happen overnight. I like to hear parents say, I'm wealthy, not we're wealthy. I like I'm that. wealthy. <laughs> yes. And that's a little selfish maybe, but darn it, again, I feel like that works. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we're talking the age group 13 to 17, talking to them about money. Just think about the realities of it. Like you said, Cole, let's pick a more well-to-do family perhaps. If you're old school, like I know a lot are, where you just don't talk about money with your friends or family or your kids, think about when their friends come over. Your house is going to say a lot. Yep. The kind of cars you guys drive is going to say, or they'll think will say a lot. So the idea of having that discussion with your children when appropriate, they're going to realize what money is. They're going to think or assume things. And if you want to be in charge and you want to set them on the right path, you probably want to lead that discussion more than, you know, the friends come over and they see your gym that you have for your kids and this mm -hmm. great basketball hoop. Theater room. Yeah, exactly. They're, oh my God, what what is this? Yeah. What are your... Well, you would want to have that discussion, hopefully, of here's where we started. Yeah. Here's the decisions. Here's what we had to do to do this and to keep this. And at some point, that reality, which I think some people are nervous about bringing kids into reality, but mm -hmm. at this 13 to 17-year-old group where they're going to be looking at cars and their peers and vehicles and potential careers finally, I think it's really important that you, you share a little bit here. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I've seen so many times where the, the, the kids, maybe with with friends or family, this is my house. They set that expectation that you know this is due to me, uh, to a certain degree, and it's it's absolutely not. Right. We've we've worked with so many people, have spoken with so many people that have started from effectively nothing, and they had to work their way up, so they understand what that's like. So uh, to already start at the top. That's a different conversation. Oh, yeah. When the, when the 12 or 13-year-old, when are we going to the condo? We're going to the water. We're going to the, <laughs> what? We're going to the condo. Like, we're going to stay on our grandparents' couch and maybe have this trip and all combine it. But, again, without that conversation, without what did we have to do to get here to enjoy this great time together mm -hmm. at the Airbnb or whatever, I think that's important. It doesn't just show up. Yeah, definitely. What do you think about uh, asking your kids to work or making them work? 
That's 13 to 17, ripe age. I sure. just got back from uh, Lake Chita- Chautauqua. It's Lakeside up yeah. in uh-huh. Lake Beautiful. Erie. Mm-hmm. Blew me away how many of those signs I walked by that minimum age to work, 14. I'm like, no kidding. I remember applying to Kroger because I knew they were the ones that would let you through at 15. Yep. Right. I was like, I'll walk over there. Just give me the paycheck. Didn't work out. So good <laughs> yeah. people of Target took me on at 16. But I don't know. What do you think about that? I have my opinions. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea of, of suggesting. And I think if you do things right through, again, early, early adolescence, you get them uh, comfortable with understanding money and the importance of it. I think it might be as simple as, as asking and helping them get to that situation to make it happen. And there may be other situations where maybe they've shown not so positive results through early adolescence where making them work could actually be a huge benefit. I feel like my perfect world, 13 to 17, somewhere in there, you're getting a job, we're opening a bank account, we're opening a credit card, and some of, some of it's got to get saved. I think that alone, and if you can yeah. have a discussion about it, means a ton for, for your teenagers. Yeah. No, that's really important, Spencer. I mean, those are those formative years where you're building your behavioral imprint, Mm -hmm. where you're learning, how am I going to deal with money for the rest of my life? Those Depression-era people that grew up and became the great generation, they weren't just born that way. They had to go through sacrifice and learn how to wear shoes out until they really worn out and actually get them fixed at a cobbler, not just throw them out and go get a new set of shoes. <laughs> I mean, again, this one small yep. example, Spencer's laughing I at me I love the again, depression references. But <laughs> these, these are the things, yeah, the great times, right? Yeah, absolutely. But these are the things that as you're talking to your kids, if they're not seeing the other options and it's just mm-hmm. get another, go new or put it on the card and they don't know how it works to your point, Spencer, yeah. show them how it works. I think that's the key. And your question, Cole, you know, do you have them work or not? It depends, right? I mean, like a lot of things, I think we see good results in both scenarios, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know what, school is your job. This is what you're going to focus on. We'll take care of other stuff, but you've got to do good in school. Yeah. Some people, that's a great approach and it works. Others, the idea of, you know what, kind of do your thing, but if you want extras, you got to pay for them. Mm -hmm. That works for others, too. I think you really have to do what works for you and your family, especially if you are more well-to-do and you have the resources that they may not be forced to work. Was it volunteering somewhere? Is it going to the zoo, going to a charity? You know, if their life is not going to revolve around working for their income, where is their fulfillment? What are they going to do? And it's not too young to start that either. And don't be like a Cole and have it just be video games. That's not, <laughs> that's not a good answer. Yeah, you turned out all right, though. <laughs> Sometimes things work out. Um, but I, I think through all of this, another important piece is uh, relax the reins a little bit. They're a little bit older now. Start giving them control uh, of their money. Let them, uh, maybe let them flounder a little, little bit. Let them go out there and kind of see who they are, see what they've actually taken away from those early years. And do they translate that into something positive or or something negative? Those big early purchases. I mean, you shared it, Spencer, earlier, but when you're able to save your money and you go and you get that thing that you sacrifice for, I mean, we all know it, I think. There's just a sense of fulfillment there in addition to getting the thing. And it's the lessons along the way and going uphill there. Mm -hmm. So as you said it, Cole, here, it's probably something to think about, whether you work or not. I don't feel like there's any perfect... uh, 
recipe or blueprint to it. I mm-hmm. I guess it really, I mean, it's so simple and cliche with the whole discussion thing, but I think I've referenced my personal finance teacher in high school probably 30 times on the show. I have no idea why all of it stuck, but... <laughs> Made a big impact. Yeah, between him buying <laughs> gifts for his kids at garage sales and then doing the envelope budgeting tactic and doing the stock picking, it's stuff like that, just talking it through and, and experiencing it. I don't know. It worked for me, so maybe it works for others. Very good. All right. Well, one last piece before we close out here. I know no one likes the word budget on this show, but I had them start working on that budget, tracking their cash flow so they have an understanding of how they're spending or how to save for those next big purchases. But we're coming up on our final break here. We'll continue the conversation when we come back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in Welcome and back take to notes. Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock, and we're into our final segment. So to close out the show, we'll get into discussing finances with a adult children since they'll now be in a position to be making their own decisions. So I let off the last one. I'll let you guys pick where we want to start for this one. With adult children? You got it. Tony, you should jump in. My mind goes to the same things uh, that we talked about with the teenagers. I hope most of what we talked about on the last two, ideally if you do that, then it makes it a little bit different on the adult section. Definitely. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, right. it, it changes how we discuss the adults. So, all right, I'll take the easy <laughs> one then. I would say if your adult child is actually working and uh, maybe going to college, whatever they're doing, probably has access to a retirement plan at this point in addition right. to just an IRA. That's when I became eligible for my 401k. It's when I turned 18 and start off to the races. So that's probably the main one that's going to change is if they have that option, go through the basics. Do you get a match? pre-tax versus a Roth contribution, all that fun stuff, that'd probably be a good conversation to start with. I I love that you brought up the pre-tax versus Roth because a lot of people are so used to the pre-tax. You know, they set up their 401k plan. That's usually what's automatically selected. But when you're 18 years old, 19 years old, hopefully you're earning the least amount you're ever going to make. Tax bracket should be the lowest it'll ever be. Use that Roth bucket. Make that after-tax money uh, and get tax-free money in the future. Let's uh, let's let's make Tony be the Scrooge here. So, at Uh-oh. what point when they reach into the adult years? So, when do you start wean, weaning them off some of the uh, bills you've been paying for? <laughs> the what, bank of what mom bills and dad were is you paying for them? Phone bill potentially. Insurances. insurance. Yeah, oh, exactly. They weren't working at the movie theaters to pay all this. No, no, because okay. you know we we okay. could we could do it. Okay. They were already on the plan. All know? right, all right. Yep. So you're right, though. I mean, we see it a lot. Yep. The idea of whether it's those incidentals, sometimes parents call them, <laughs> but they're real bills. They're part of lifestyle. Again, everyone's different, right, Spencer? I mean, there is no one size fits all. You know, cut them off at 15 and make them work. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get it through college and you cut it off when they get their first real job. I mean, these are all things that, so long as you're transparent and you're discussing them and you can afford it, I think these are all important components. And if you cannot afford it and you've been doing it maybe out of guilt or just out of, hey, I got to do something, you've got to revisit that. Because at some point, you're going to need to save for yourself. And if you do want to help those children down the road, and maybe they do have a hard time, if you're not in a good financial position yourself, you're not going to be able to help anybody. 
It's like being a first responder. You know, you don't go ahead and put yourself in danger because you can't help somebody else or you can't do that undue danger. It's the same idea with financial planning. If you're going to be the life raft someday or the rock for your family, that steward, you've got to have a foundation first. So to answer your question the long way, Spencer, I think it really depends. And if you're giving the children great lessons along the way and they're leveraging those, mm-hmm. like we talk about with family wealth, you know, if you can pass it on to the next generation and they're able to advance what they're doing in life, that's a great thing. But if you're not able to sustain that or they can't or the lessons aren't there, this can all backfire. And I think I'm able to carve out a piece of all of that, okay. um, that, that I think is that I think is important um, at this point, And that's to actually share maybe now your own finances with a child. So before we were just talking about having regular family discussions, keeping things maybe a little general, a little vague, but... At some point, they're going to learn about what mom and dad has anyway, right? Well, and it really, I mean, it goes back to that prior phase, but are you creating dependence or independence? Sure. Are your dependents on the path to become independent? If they are, then sharing and entrusting them and perhaps passing things along while you're here mm-hmm. may feel a lot more comfortable. But if they're dependents, some of that sharing may not feel so comfortable. I mean, that's I think that's point. what we've seen. Absolutely. I'm sure we're going to get on, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we're, I'm sure we're going to get into taxes next, but I will say, I don't <laughs> think anyone wants to necessarily have their kid turn 18 years old and then immediately shovel all of the bills onto them. But I, I'm thinking back to when we've done some of those shows when we pick on like NFL players and some of those people who just make a ton of money and all of a sudden they just blow through it because they don't know what they're doing with it. And mm-hmm. I remember saying like, well, you could make the same comparison with grad students, right? You're going to school for all this time. It's a job in its own, and then you get out, and all of a sudden you're earning a big income. Taxes are coming that you've never seen before, and it's a lot. So maybe with the bills, you at least try and come up with some blueprint to say, I don't know, at age 20, uh, this— phase out. Right, exactly. Age 20, yeah. this is going away. 22, this is gone. And hopefully it just equips them a little bit more that when that time comes where their income is picking up, the taxes is the main thing they're having to grapple with as opposed to, oh, now it's taxes and some resentment built up along the way. Mm-hmm. Now I'm paying for all these bills I wasn't before, plus the taxes. could get overwhelming. So an income-based payment plan of sorts. <laughs> well, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spencer's designing his, you know. But I, I, everything you're saying, it makes sense, though. Yeah. I mean, when we're talking, think about it. I mean, again, I envision most parents want their kids to be successful. Mm-hmm. They want them to be happy. They want them to have a good life, career, their own families. I mean, if that's the goal, everything we're talking about here, doing it the right way really matters. Definitely. It's not about leaving some dollar amount because whatever, honestly, whatever dollar, $10 million, whatever, if you leave that to someone who's not prepared or they don't have the values or awareness, they're not going to be happy or fulfilled. They're not going to do the right thing. So there's so much more to this than just what was the return on my IRA last month? I mean, that's what we're talking about here by talking to your kids with money or about money is the values. That's the key, I think. You know, it's not the price of things. It's what's the value of something. And the more parents share that, the better. You know, if you're not taking your family on vacation, you're not able to do that, and you take that vacation finally, that's value. That's not the price of the vacation. That's the value. And that's the other part that, as we deal with a lot of people who do very well, that's the part that seems to be most important, is imparting the value. Not the price, not the dollars, but imparting the values. So if you're talking to your kids about money, you're probably doing that. I I hate to shift from there, because that's very very eloquently said, but I think because... 
Spencer, you brought up uh, shifting into taxes. So I think that's a good direction to go because this is maybe the first time the uh, adult child's had to complete their taxes. Where do they go? What do they do? I still find myself doing this where I look at my net pay compared to my gross pay, and I'm like, something's wrong. It, it and hurts. I stuff the withholdings. It and hurts. And then I'm like, yes. I back into the math. <laughs> I'm like, now I may end up owing come filing time. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, I don't know. I would think maybe uh, TurboTax, that's what I started with using. So yep. there's cheaper ways to do it. Like, for example, if you're listening and you live in Ohio, you can just go right to the state site and file it there for free. TurboTax may try and have you do it and pay a fee, but mm -hmm. that's where I started just – Got my account, started doing it when I was 18, and it's not the most complex thing in the world, but better to start as young as possible. Yeah, especially maybe when the plan's a little bit simpler. Yeah. If it's just a <laughs> W-2 income, things are, are easy, yeah. right? pretty straightforward, using a, a tax planning software that way. Simple, clean, you can do it yourself. Just be careful. Of course, make sure you're inputting everything, but if we're talking young business owners or 1099 employees, yeah. if we're talking uh, maybe some stock awards, I love those. Do we want to just do a, a turbo tax, or should we encourage something else? That's a good point. I guess it depends. I keep going back to the really, really young adult children. Um, yeah, if you're moving into that point where we're talking about maybe income's a little bit higher, you're getting some restricted stock or stock awards. The goodies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe you don't have to jump right up to the CPA that's going to be, you know, a thousand bucks a year. I get that can be steep, but you're probably maybe a little bit past the turbo tax. Maybe you find a certified tax preparer, someone that's mm -hmm. closer to $250 for a return or something. That may be a little bit more palatable. And that all depends too on where yeah. you're at in the country, all that. But that sounds about right, Spencer. I mean, you grow into this stuff and hopefully you're growing all along the way. Absolutely. Well, one more thing I want to close out with here. Um, Spencer, you brought it up when they're teenagers, but uh, opening a credit card, if you haven't done it already, now's the time. I can't tell you how many times I've heard you know, someone gets into college and they're uh, on campus, they're approached by these people giving them a neat t-shirt or frisbee <laughs> in exchange for opening a credit card, and it's all downhill from there. But <laughs> unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.